The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I'll gladly make the same joke a hundred times if I have to. Gee, what are we going to talk about on today's podcast? Hayuck, hayuck, hayuck. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. I am Dan Baspris, and this, of course, is a hoop ball presentation. Hoop-ball.com is the website, at HoopBallFantasy on Twitter. And a lot to tell you about what's going on there. I am at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. First of all, hello. A good Monday to you all. We started off a new week on the right foot and a very exciting weekend of free agency and minor trades taking place, mostly free agency. And as I finished up that Friday show, you remember on Friday we did a show just called free agency where uh basically I-, I waited until a bunch of stuff had happened we recorded the, the show at about 7 to 7 38 p.m i think pacific time on friday night normally our shows air in the morning pacific time early afternoon eastern time but we pushed it back by some you know 10 11 hours figuring we'll be able to jam in a good amount of the signings that happened and we did but really not close to everything that shook out over the weekend. So I come into this show with a slightly new plan. On Friday night, I think at the end of that episode, I said something like, all right, on Monday, we'll talk about what happened over the weekend. That's just not that simple. A ton of things happened over the weekend. And to go through each of those one by one would actually create this strange web, almost an infinite loop where we keep circling back on the same topics over and over again. So I'm changing the way we're doing this. And instead of going through each individual move that happened over the weekend, what we're going to do over the next couple of shows is take a spin around the league. That's very simply put, the easier way right now is to just say, Uh, all right, you know what? A ton of things happened. And instead of analyzing the individual things that took place, we're just going to look at the team. And the best way to do that is to look at depth charts. Who's in, who's out, and what does it mean? So we'll get to that here momentarily. And actually, it does segue pretty well into our first thing on the show, which is, guys... The earliest access to the Brewski 150 is coming this week. It's the earliest we've ever put out a Brewski 150 at HoopBall. Ever. In the past, those of you that have listened to this show and have been HoopBallers in the past, you know that the Hoop, the Brewski 150, Aaron Brewski's critical, the, the league-changing list that just wins every year, gets put into the draft guide about two weeks before the season starts and gets offered up to the early access users one week in advance of that. This year, we've added a third tier, the ultra early access to the B-150, which is now roughly four weeks prior to the start of the season, give or take a couple of days. It'll probably be later this week. So instead of in seasons past... Getting the B-150 as early as 21 days before the season. This year, you'll be getting it more like 
as early as 26-ish days before the season. And it is only available to HoopBall360 subscribers. I haven't talked that much about HoopBall360 on the podcast. We're going to do that quickly here now because I think this is actually very important. Many of you have actually asked this question on social media. So not only is this a promo, but it actually addresses one of the uh, queries we've had on this stuff, which is HoopBall360 is our everything package. It has the, uh, the draft guide. It has the earliest B-150 access, which again is coming later this week. It has our DFS pass, which hasn't started yet this year, but will when the preseason begins. It has our wagering division, that's called the wager pass, all rolled into one gigantic package. Again, the B-150 access for this week is only available to HoopBall360 members, and it's coming in just a couple of days. So head to HoopBall, hoop-ball.com, check out the HoopBall360 package and sign up today. If you're okay, by the way, with getting the Brewski 150 a week later, meaning at some point next week, the Fantasy Pass, which, by the way, I think is one of the most amazing deals in all of fantasy sports. Fantasy Pass is just $4.99 a month. It has the slightly early B-150 access, meaning the the second tier up, and it still has the in-season tools, and it still has the DFS stuff, and it still has the draft guide. So that's $4.99. Uh, the HoopBall 360 package is $12.99, mostly because it includes the B150 earlier and the wager pass, which by itself is $9.99. But I've thrown a lot of numbers at you guys. The real key here is just go to hoop-ball.com, click on the premium tab, and you can get a rundown of all the good stuff for sale. Brewski 150, earliest release, coming this week to HoopBall 360 members. So here's what we're doing with depth charts. And by the way, the reason that was a good segue is that depth charts are in the damn draft guide. You can actually get them right now with any of those packages that I was talking about. Draft guide a la carte, fantasy pass, hoop ball 360. It is Solomon's done an incredible job of updating the, these depth charts as all of this crazy stuff is, is shaking out. You're wondering, uh, do they have basically everybody in there? The answer is yeah, because there were lists of guys that were free agents on teams and where they ended up. For instance, you're wondering, you know, does it already have the Clippers depth chart adjusted? Yeah. Starting point guard, Pat Beverly. Shooting guard, Paul George. Small forward, Kawhi Leonard. Power forward, Marcus Morris. Center, Serge Ibaka. I'm not going to give you everything here on the podcast. Suffice to say... That that by itself is enough. It has a list of free agents signed and a list of players that departed either by trade or free agency. This is your one-stop shop to understanding who the hell is on which team. And as you begin your analysis of all of that, it sure does make your life easier. Sorted by division. And that's what we're going to go through here. Over the next couple of days on this podcast, we're going to go through team not necessarily the depth charts per se, but the the acquisitions, the trades, the signings. Instead of going through each individual name, we're going to look at the teams and see how everybody stacks up. So let's begin. Let's jump right on in. Again, uh, welcome to the show. If you're new to the podcast, I know this is a time of year where folks are finding their resources for fantasy sports. We are thrilled to have you, and I hope that you enjoy what's coming. And uh, we'll stick with us here for the long term. 
We're going to start in the Atlantic Division because that's the way it's written on the paper in front of my face. There's no other real reason. Sometimes we go left to right across the United States. This time, I think we're going right to left. Whatever. It's like we're, we're reading the team lists in Hebrew. We begin with the Boston Celtics. Tristan Thompson, one would argue, is really the main free agent thing that happened there, at least on the way in with Boston. Gordon Hayward, the big thing on the way out. They also offered, and uh, I think the the idea, I don't know if it's been signed yet, but Jason Tatum agreeing to the uh, the max extension, but that's sort of... Doesn't really matter for us on on a fantasy purpose. Uh, Jeff Teague also in with Boston as a backup point guard. So there are a few things floating around, uh, kind of around the edges here. But I want to focus mostly on what Gordon Hayward's departure and what Tristan Thompson's signing mean for the Boston Celtics. With Jeff Teague, he'll see some playing time on this team, but it's not going to be significant unless Kemba Walker is out for... Uh, a long stretch. Basically, what happens with this team is that it, what we saw a lot of last year, which is that someone in the starting five was almost always out for the Boston Celtics, whether it was whether it was Kemba, uh, Gordon Hayward missed a bunch of time himself, Jalen Brown missed like 10 games, Jason Tatum missed a handful of games, not as many as the other guys. The center position was was fluctuating, but that one was sort of on its own weird little island because the rest of their starters were basically a guard and three wings that they were rotating based on matchups. Generally undersized at the power forward spot, and that's probably not changing anytime soon. But what we also saw was that the Celtics kind of had one too many fantasy guys. Not in that their team got ruined by it. In fact, most of the guys on that club still had pretty good fantasy seasons. Jason Tatum elevated himself to the edge of the first round. Uh, Gordon Hayward, around his injuries, had a top 50 fantasy season. Jalen Brown elevated his game to a top 70 fantasy season. Daniel Tice, one of my favorites, played his way into more and more minutes as the year went on. He ended up as number 79 in nine-category leagues. Uh, But again, you know, I, I kind of want to remove the centers from this equation and focus on the other guys. The one name you probably noticed I jumped over was Marcus Smart, who came off the bench or was supposed to come off the bench for the Celtics. But because someone was out basically every game, some rotating body was hurt on that club, he ended up starting quite a few games played in 53 pre-bubble games, and was inside the top 60. Basically, what Gordon Hayward leaving does is it says, all right, you know what? We don't need one of our wings to necessarily be out for these other guys to have an ultra-clear path to fantasy value. The fact that someone was out, and this is where per game and total sort of bang heads with one another, because someone was out for the Celtics basically every game, all of those guys had good per-game numbers. But because each of them was missing some 10 to 14 games or more, their totals values actually weren't super impressive. Jalen Brown, for instance, his total value was 90. Hayward, 87. Tice was actually basically a dead heat in that stuff. Marcus Smart, 65. 
Kemba Walker, 60, and then Tatum, who was generally healthy, was number nine by totals. This is, again, it, it created almost an illusion that everyone on the Celtics had robust fantasy value, when in fact, everyone had okay fantasy value, but only because someone was hurt all of the time. The beauty of Hayward now being a member of the uh, Charlotte Hornets is that we don't need one guy to be out, and if one guy is out, it's actually probably Jeff Teague that steps into that extra potential fantasy spot. So, what I will say about Teague is that I don't think he's going to have fantasy value for the entire year the way that Marcus Smart did. The way that Marcus Smart was able to take his bench minutes, and he was doing enough with those, and then combining that with the the starters games where he was really piling up fantasy stats, that it, it ended up with him near 60. With Jeff Teague, I think when, when everybody's healthy on this team, Teague is probably going to be outside the top 100. When one guy is hurt, he may play his way inside the top 100, and he'll be more of a streaming option in those scenarios. But for the most part now, you're looking at a team where the roles are a bit more clearly defined and easier to analyze. Jason Tatum's going to play big minutes, as probably an undersized power forward, or maybe you could argue Jalen Brown is that guy. I don't I don't really know. Jalen Brown's going to play a ton of minutes. Marcus Smart is going to be a starter. Kemba Walker is going to be a starter if and or when he's healthy. And those guys are all pretty easy fantasy players to handicap, with maybe the exception of Kemba Walker, because you just don't know how many games he's going to have to take off. Probably resting on back-to-backs, given the fact that it seems like his knee stuff isn't really going anywhere. So Kemba, you want to be a little bit cautious. I think with the other guys, you can get an idea of their ADP here later this week. Yahoo's releasing their ADP data on Wednesday, so we'll have that pretty soon, and then kind of draft around that. The other story with Boston is that they did bring in a viable backup center in Tristan Thompson, and the Daniel Tice-Tristan Thompson situation, as much as I'd love to just come out here and say, I have no fear, Daniel Tice will keep his 30 minutes a game and nobody's challenging him. He will. He'll be challenged here. Tristan Thompson is a better rebounder than Tice. Offensively, Tice is is far better. He can hit those little jumpers. Uh, He's more athletic at this stage of his career. But sometimes they're going to want the bigger body. And those are going to be games where you may end up having to bench Tice. I don't think Thompson's going to have fantasy value over the entire season either. But if you're like, oh, Boston has, you know, a two or three game stretch where they're going to be going up against, I don't know, like DeAndre Jordan, then Andre Drummond, then throw some other, then Joel Embiid, you're probably going to have a week of Daniel Tice kind of stinking. He'll probably still start those games, but he'll most likely get bludgeoned off the floor. Maybe not so much DeAndre Jordan. I'm just thinking of bigger centers in the Eastern Conference. So I remain relatively confident in Daniel Tice, but I got it. I have to adjust him back a little bit. It would be irresponsible for me to not acknowledge the fact that Tristan Thompson does put a dent into it. And he's a worker. The Celtics love those worker B types. Thompson's out there just grinding away for offensive rebounds. He's going to play some. So Tice, I think you can probably bump back. He was someone that was going in the, you know, 90 to 110 range. You probably can knock him back a couple of rounds from that. Just a consistent challenge to the the more 
floor spacey athletic type of center in the NBA. He is now there. You know, Tristan Thompson is that other option. Disappointing. I am disappointed that my guy, Daniel Tice, is not going to be quite as delectable this fantasy season. I got to tell you guys about something going on at my bookie before we jump into the next team on this thing. And, you know, you please, please listen to this because it is free money. It's free money. I, I mentioned a little bit about it on Friday, and I'll mention more because I now have more data on it today. MyBookie.ag, uh, the official sports betting partner for us here at HoopBall, has multiple, multiple specialty bets going on this week. First off, first of all, go there and sign up with promo code HoopBall. That's the, that's the easy part. You don't even have to deposit. Just stop the podcast. Go to MyBookie.ag. Sign up with promo code HoopBall, and I'm going to tell you why here in about 10 seconds. It's on the third page. It's where you can put in the promotional code H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. Easy. It does unlock a 100% deposit match bonus if you want to use that. I actually don't think you need to, and I'll tell you why. First, Thanksgiving morning, Texans-Lions... There is a $250 risk-free opportunity at my bookie. I'm probably not going to put all $250 on this bet, but honestly, you probably should. The problem for me is that I have more than that currently tied up in other longer-term wagers on the website, and so I just like I can't afford to just pull that out. It's it's in a bet. But if you have that available, you can put a $250 deposit in your MyBookie account. You can bet on the... Uh, they haven't put the odds up yet. I think you can do it on uh, on Wednesday of this week. Once they list the odds for that game, you can put a wager on either side, Texans or Lions. I assume... I think the Texans will probably be short favorites, but I don't keep up with the NFL all that much, so I don't I don't really know. I think both those teams are kind of bad. Uh, whatever, the, the, whatever the spread turns out to be, you can put up to $250 on either team... If your bet wins, you win, just like a normal wager. Great. If your bet loses, you get your $250 back as rollover bucks, but only 1x rollover. It's only one time. For those of you that are not familiar with what rollover means, and please, please bear with me on this because this is an opportunity. I know you guys came for the fantasy, but I'm outlining ways that we can win anywhere from 250 to like $450 together without sweating at all. This is free money. So rollover, for those of you that are not familiar with how online sports betting works, is promotional dollars. And, you know, if they say it's five times rollover means if they give you 50 bucks of promo bucks, you have to make $250 in bets for those promo dollars to turn into actual cash that you could cash out. Okay, that's what rollover means. If you lose your Texans-Lions wager, whatever side you're on on Thursday, and the $250 goes back into your account, it's only one-time rollover. So you only have to bet that $250 one more time. And it doesn't have to be on one wager either. You could do, you know, however you want to get to that $250. And here's the brilliant part. The very next day, Black Friday, my bookie has... An all-day odds boost extravaganza. Those of you that listened to this podcast about a month and a half, two months ago, when we did our our an odds boost extravaganza on, there was a, a a football game where it was like you got Chiefs and fifty points. It was an unlosable bet. 
It's a guaranteed winner. And that was uh, a $50 bet. Just for nothing. They gave you 50 bucks. And then there was a Saturday, about two weeks later, where there were uh, there was an odds boost bet every single hour, all day long. And that's what's happening again on Black Friday. There will be, from 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, so 7 a.m. Pacific, until 8.30 Pacific in the evening, a different bet will be boosted every hour. So 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, noon, count them all out. It's like 13 of them over the course of the day. You can only bet up to $25 on all these because they're they're basically free money type wagers. For instance, one of the examples they give is that on Black Friday, Notre Dame is playing North Carolina. And normally there's a prop bet, will there be a touchdown scored in the football game? Normally you'd have to lay four to win one. That's a minus 400 wager. Normally. On Black Friday, even odds. That's a winner. Someone's going to score a touchdown. It happens in like 98% of football games. And they're giving you 50-50 odds on it. Bet a dollar, win a dollar. And here's the brilliant part of all of this. This is how it all ties together. If you put $250 on that Lions-Texans game on Thanksgiving morning and you lose and you have to roll over the $250 before you can cash out, guess what? You can get to about $250 in wagers just on the odds boosts, the 13-some-odd odds boosts on the very next day. If you make all of those bets, it's probably going to be something in the... $150 $150 to $250 range, you're probably going to win most, if not all of them. So you're going to chew up most of your rollover requirement. Your $250 in your account is going to be going up to probably $400 or $450. And I don't know, maybe you have to bet like another 50 bucks to hit your rollover. You could put it on some stuff that we're doing here at HoopBall. You can sit on it and wait until the next odds boost promo, which I'd be willing to bet most of my what I own, that there will be one near the start of NBA or the start of college basketball, then you hit your rollover and then you could cash out $450-$500 without ever risking a cent. So I hope you guys were able to bear with me on that because it wasn't even really a promo. I, you know, this is the beauty of, of modern sports betting is that these sites have to compete for our dollars. I know you're going to kill me because this is a long segue away from fantasy sports, but guys, this is free money. That doesn't happen. Cashing out is easy. They do e-check. They do Bitcoin. Either way, it's very simple. MyBookie.ag is the website. I will be tweeting about it all week from the at Dan Bespris account. Sign up with promo code HoopBall, and let's win anywhere from $250 to $450 risk-free. You can take that and get the HoopBall360 membership I talked about earlier. That's promo. That's a promo. All right. Okay. All right, I know. You want more fantasy stuff. I get it. We're going to do that. But look, it's my job, and I'm going to do this every day this week to tell you guys when you can just get 400-some-odd dollars. For many of us, I mean, if that, you know, that's like winning a $50 fantasy league. You can just do it this week without any fear. If you win your Thursday morning bet, you're up $250 already. And then if you make all the odds boost bets, like... Really, we could win 400 to $500 this week. 
That's nuts. And a worst case scenario is probably win like 100 to 150. That's a worst case. Don't you guys want 100? Anyway. All right, let's get to the next team. Yeah, listen, I'm not going to apologize for trying to give you guys free money. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets, if we're going to stick through the Atlantic Division, the Brooklyn Nets have um, a couple players that we didn't see very much of last year. And so they haven't had to do a whole lot during free agency. And, you know, the, 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 simple, the simple beauty of Brooklyn is that there just isn't a massive need to deep dive on this team. Kevin Durant is going to have his beefy fantasy value. Kyrie Irving's going to have his beefy fantasy value when they're on the court. And they diminish the contributions of basically everyone else. I wouldn't touch Torian Prince or basically anybody who's playing their small forward position with a a 20-foot pole because there's just not going to be enough usage there. I'm petrified to use a guy like Karis LeVert who has rough percentages and made his dent when everyone else was out. I have the same concerns with Spencer Dinwiddie. And so with Brooklyn, the only other question on that team is do we do anything at the center position? They're going to keep making a run at James Harden. Things would get a lot clearer if guys like Jared Allen and Karis LeVert got sent out. I mean, then there'd only be one real center left. I actually think DeAndre Jordan is going to get the lion's share of center minutes this year. And, and I, maybe I'm wrong about this. Uh, we'll find out, I, I reckon, by you know game two of the regular season. But he's, he's their guy. And when I say there, I mean the superstars on that team. KD and Kyrie, they wanted DeAndre Jordan to be their center. Why would they bring him in on a four-year deal to appease Kyrie and KD? And as you might recall, there is a subplot here in Brooklyn that last year, part of why Kenny Atkinson got kind of squeezed out, well, they said they didn't like the way he was running the offense, but like, come on, who the hell was even on the floor? Kyrie was out the whole year. I think they were upset. Mostly, they felt like he was pushing DeAndre Jordan aside for Jared Allen, which is the right thing to do, frankly. But DeAndre wasn't... DeAndre was the guy. DeAndre was the guy that that the superstars want to see happy, and he clearly wasn't. And so, basically, the very last day before COVID shut us all down, DeAndre got the job, got moved into the starting lineup, and he was probably going to play more like 28 minutes a game. And at 28 minutes, he actually would have been a fantasy value of some kind. Tough to say precisely how much, but he was at 120, top 120, in 22 minutes a game. And you can, with DeAndre Jordan, you can basically just extrapolate what he does. It's it's a fairly, you know, there, there would be a uh, decreasing of the slope, as with all guys, as you approach their... Everybody has a per 36 that looks like it would be higher, but the line actually would level off a little bit as guys get closer to that 36-minute threshold because you just don't have as much energy. But DeAndre Jordan can clearly play more than 22 minutes a game. If you throw him out there for 28, basically if you flip, he was 22 and Jared Allen was uh, more like 26 last year. If you flip those, the fantasy values of the two guys involved pretty much flip also. Meaning last year, Jared Allen averaged 11 and 9.5 with about 1.9 defensive stats, and DeAndre was at 8 and 10 with about 1.2 defensive stats. You flip them, and the the values almost flip-flop perfectly. I think Jared Allen will always score a tiny bit more just because he's looking to do so, and DeAndre is always going to rebound a little more because that's 
where he's been, you know, historically good in his career. But just look at the, and then you, if you want, you can just go with percentages. DeAndre Jordan at 22 minutes, add about 20% to that. And you're talking about closer to 10 points, closer to 12 rebounds, closer to two and a half assists, half a steal, 1.1, 1.2 blocks per game. He's basically around the edge of the top 75 at that point, especially now that he's shooting in the mid to high 60s at the free throw line. So I actually like DeAndre Jordan. I think you could grab him towards the end of drafts. I don't think anybody's really looking at him because most folks assume there's going to be a timeshare, and there will be to some degree. It's not like DeAndre's going to play 30 or 32 minutes and, and Allen 16, and there will be games where they need Jared Allen's speed a little bit more than Jordan, but he's the guy that KD and Kyrie want to play with. They're not going to marginalize DeAndre Jordan. They want him on the floor. I'm trying to think if we go back to, I think it'd be the previous year when he was still with Dallas. Am I getting that right? Wasn't DeAndre Jordan with Dallas the previous year and then he finished up where? New York? Was it the Knicks? Jeez, it's like a, seriously, it's like a decade ago. Yeah, he finished up with the Knicks. Uh, he played 69 games that year, uh, 29 and a half minutes a game. I don't think he's getting that high, but he did average 11 and 13 and was top uh, 65. So maybe not quite that high. Dial him back by about 10%. Solid chance to go for 10 and 12 this year, I think, in Brooklyn. So I think maybe DeAndre Jordan is your, sle- your sneaky old man on that group that you really wouldn't have to draft until almost the bitter, bitter end of basically every, uh, every fantasy draft. He's just not going... He's not going at all. I'm trying to figure out where... I mean, I, we did an eight-category draft at uh, over the weekend with uh, with Jared Johnson, one of our buddies over at Roto World. And I think DeAndre Jordan went um, in like the 130 range. And an eight-cat, maybe he goes a little bit later than nine. But I don't know. I feel like he's he's almost guaranteed to be better than that. And what harm does it do? Take him in like the 11th round? And he doesn't pan out? Who cares? You're probably going to drop your 11th rounder most of the time anyway. The Philadelphia 76ers is the next team we're going to talk about on today's podcast. They have been busy this offseason in the front office and in their personnel. One of the question marks still hanging over the, the 76ers is a giant is a giant trade coming. And we don't know. The moves they've made so far work regardless of whether or not a large trade is in the works in the works Tobias Harris Joel Embiid Ben Simmons are very easy to handicap on this team I would venture to guess they all do things relatively close to what they did last year Embiid I still don't trust his health and Tobias Harris remains an old man squad favorite the other new things in Philly they got rid of Al Horford, which doesn't really change much for the main guys. They threw Dwight Howard in there behind Embiid, so they're just a giant team at this point. And, and maybe, you know, it's certainly more important for the teams where these guys went than the guys coming back, but unloading Al Horford's giant contract, bringing in Danny Green, Seth Curry, and sending out Josh Richardson didn't really create a ton of new fantasy value in Philadelphia in that, you know, Danny Green's not going to have enough uh, attempts 
on this team to hit that threshold. You know, he'll do his usual stuff. He'll he, he'll push being a one 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 kind of guy. And but there's just you know over the course of the year, he might end up on a per game average at like one hundred and ten. But it's just not going to be exciting. And you you just you kind of have to hope you catch those hot streaks. Probably a little bit of the same story with Seth Curry. He's going to have plenty of opportunities to shoot wide open jumpers on this team, but there's just really going to be nothing else for him. So Philly becomes a relatively easy team. You're you're basically just looking at three main guys, Simmons, Harris, and Embiid. And then if any one of those guys is out, you start to think, okay, is there now enough for Seth Curry or Danny Green to take a bite out of it? Meaning, do they kind of get onto the right side of the cut threshold? And the answer is probably. Probably. You know, could Dwight Howard step in and post fantasy stats if Embiid has to miss a few games? Yes, he's a streaming option. He's a much more traditional handcuff. It's just, you know, we're right now we're really focused on what we're doing on draft night. And on draft night, there are only three 76ers that belong on a team. Seth Curry probably a hair closer than Danny Green, but I don't, I'm not drafting either one of those guys. Much as I love Danny Green, you guys know, he sort of fits the old man build. There just isn't, as the great Aaron Bruski likes to say, there just sort of isn't enough meat on that bone. I, I want to save the Toronto Raptors for tomorrow, uh, but nah, you know what, let's just do it. Because this, I probably should have started with this team, because Toronto's maybe... They might be my favorite team in the NBA from a fantasy perspective this year. This team is loaded to the hilt with fantasy values because they have become a less deep team. Remember a couple years ago when Toronto starters didn't even have to play in the fourth quarter in like eight out of nine games? It was crazy. They were so deep and they were just wearing teams out. That was the Kawhi Leonard year. This most recent season, they lost some of their depth, but still had enough where you kind of needed someone, in kind of the same vein as the Boston Celtics. You kind of needed one guy out to get a couple of guys that were closer to the fringe in. Like, you needed either Marcus Gasol or Serge Ibaka to be out for the other one to have very clear fantasy value. You needed one of the guards or wings to be out for Norman Powell to have clear fantasy value. I think one thing that we're seeing now, coming to this year, is that they continue to thin. Serge Ibaka, out. Marc Gasol, out. Both centers on this team, gone. The uh, the Raptors signed Aaron Baines yesterday, which, by the way, was brilliant. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, strategically, it worked out. Uh, but it, when when you game plan perfectly, like Aaron Baines's agency did, you you can take a victory lap because his hope, Baines's hope, was that there would become a team, a, a team would emerge. That's a contending team that desperately needs a center. And so when Ibaka and Gasol both went to Los Angeles, two different teams, but both in L.A., it left Toronto as that team. This is a team that wants to win still. They're still a very good basketball team. But, it, so, it, you know, they couldn't just say, well, screw it, we don't have a center, we'll just play a young guy. That, that wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to fly 
with the Kyle Lowry's and the Freddie Van Vliet's guys that have come to expect victory from this team. They weren't going to be satisfied with Chris Boucher soaking up most of the center minutes or Pascal Siakam getting clubbed by bigger dudes. That was a bad plan. So Aaron Baines' representation was just kind of like sitting back. Okay, do we take some early offers? I'm sure there's some stuff on the table. Or do we wait and hope one team gets desperate? And that's what happened. Toronto got desperate, so they gave Baines a bunch of money. And he's their starting center now. So looking at this team, this is one of the few teams in the NBA that I could make a reasonable argument could have seven players that finish the season with fantasy value. Seven. There's some easy, there are some easy ones. Kyle Lowry, easy. Freddie Van Vliet, easy. Pascal Siakam, easy. Okay, those three, obviously in. Lowry, going to be underdrafted. Van Vliet, Siakam, probably pretty closely... Pretty close to accurately drafted this year. OG Ananobi, certainly in nine category leagues, he'll have fantasy value. He was very durable, and his game seems to be kind of slowly evolving. He's learning how to be a little bit more aggressive. So there's four. I think Norman Powell's going to soak up basically every backup guard minute on this team in that, you know, he'll back up Freddie Van Fleet when he slides over to back up Kyle Lowry for those 13 minutes a game. That'll leave... Uh, some 20-odd shooting guard minutes because Van Fleet, if he's playing 35, 36 minutes and a dozen of those are point guard, yeah, you get it. Uh, so Norman Powell, I think, you know, he'll have plenty of playing time this year. You, you, I would think anything less than like 26 minutes would, would blow me away. And he's not going to have that top 40 run that he had last year when someone was out, but there will probably be someone out on this team. Lowry's going to miss some games here and there. Van Fleet's going to probably miss some games here and there. I, you know, I can't say much. Ananobi was actually very durable this last year, but that's five. And then finally, you look at the center position, which right now is Aaron Baines and Chris Boucher, who I clowned on last year, and I think for good reason clowned on last year. Chris Boucher was not going to play enough minutes when both Gasol and Ibaka were out to be fantasy relevant. Remember the discussion we had between Boucher and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, and I said, just neither. It's okay to say neither. Chris Boucher played 13 minutes a game. He was uh, number 220. During those games where he saw a little bit more playing time, he was sniffing the top 100. And this year, you could really see him in the 21-22 minute range, with Baines maybe playing more like 26-27 type of deal, 28. You could even see Boucher play some backup power forward this year as well. So that's six and seven, because I think you could make a case to draft both Baines and Boucher in fantasy leagues. And the question, of course, is where? Uh, we have to wait and get ADPs on this stuff. If you know, if, if Boucher is becoming a buzzy name in fantasy circles and he's getting drafted inside the top 100, I probably would say, you know, let someone else take that roll of the dice when you know, seventh, eighth, ninth round pick. These are guys that are still pretty reliable on the board. And then with Baines, we saw how good he was in Phoenix when everybody else was out. This is a great spot for him. This is a team that's going to need rebounding, uh, some sort of toughness in there, a guy that's willing to get dunked on and can actually space the floor a little bit. Uh, he'll be great. He'll be great. I like seven players on the Toronto Raptors this year. Isn't that crazy? 
I could see seven players on the Raptors inside the top 100 on a per-game basis. Baines and Boucher are, of course, the the biggest question marks on that list just because does, you know, if they end up splitting it, there, there's a, uh, a point on that curve where, you know, if Baines is getting like 26 minutes, he's just barely fantasy useful, and Boucher at 22 is probably just barely over the mark. If that tips in either direction, then maybe one guy or the other falls out. You know, if Baines plays 30 and Boucher 18, obviously Baines is in, Boucher is out. If it tips the other way and it's 24 minutes apiece, then you probably have a better chance of hitting value with Boucher. But there is a world where it's, and it's probably right around the 26-22 split, where both of those guys could be top 100 assets. Guys, take a minute, if you could, to check out our buddies over at manscaped.com. Coupon code there is HOOPBALL20. Get yourself the Weed Whacker, an ear and nose hair trimmer, or the Shears, the luxury nail kit for just $20. 20% off of $20, I should say. So 16 bucks with free shipping. The Shears from manscaped.com. They also have powders and lotions and deodorants and carrying cases and shaving mats and mints and boxers and t-shirts. You name it, they've got it. And of course, at the top of the pyramid. At the top of the pyramid. The mighty lawnmower 3.0. All of the stuff at Manscaped. Waterproof and pinch-free technology. Manscaped.com. Promo code HOOPBALL20. That'll let them know that Dan sent you. And it gets you 20% off and free shipping. Check it out right now. Again, Manscaped.com. Promo code is HOOPBALL20. Uh, because of our super long... Here's how you win $400 on Manscaped. Uh, I, normally, I would probably just end the show around the 40-minute mark here, but we're going to do one more team and uh, get through the Atlantic Division, and that team, of course, is the New York Knicks, which is a little bit of a loaded team in that uh, it's still not entirely clear what they're doing at the small forward or shooting guard position, and so I, I kind of wanted to wait a little bit longer. But one of the good things about the Knicks this year is that a lot of guys are gone. Taj Gibson is off the roster. Mo Harkless is off the roster. Bobby Portis. Ed Davis is... Wait, is he back there now? Well, forget it. Doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> hell did he end up at the end of all of this stuff? The real key with New York, and I, and I think this is the question... Ed Davis is on the Timberwolves now. That's right. He got, he got sent back to the T-Wolves. Um, the, the real... The real question marks... Let's focus on the question marks with New York. Is point guard... Now, remember, they waived Alfred Payton and then brought him back. So I would venture to guess that he has the first crack at that point guard spot. And he was, for stretches last year, borderline useful. He ended up at top 125 because his free throws and his field goal percent both are bad. My hope is that a fully healthy season, his field goal percent will be a little bit better. He had stretches where he was inside the top 100, but the holes in his game do make it pretty hard for him to sustain long-term value. Julius Randle, we generally know about his position. He's a guy that's going to be uh, overranked in fantasy because of his scoring, even after a rough year. Um, and then, you know, I'm not touching Kevin Knox with a, any length pole. I'm not touching R.J. Barrett either. They brought in Alec Burks to sort of serve as a backup kind of veteran wing presence that can do some scoring. And you could actually make a reasonable argument to draft a guy like Alec, Alec Burks, but I'm not going to. There's just, I, I don't think, 
the Knicks are a team to me that probably is more like a two, maybe three player fantasy. So to go from the Raptors to the Knicks is a hard pivot to make, but that's where we're at. Uh, The center position is, of course, really critical for this team. And they actually have two centers that can hit value on low minutes. Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel. Love both of those guys. Robinson, last year in 23 minutes a game, was top 50. I think that number trends up a little bit to where maybe he's in the 25-26 range and Noel backing him up for 20-22. to I think you get both of those guys. Mitchell Robinson's going to be the more expensive one, but even he, I think, falls a little bit. He's been getting drafted closer to 50, and I think he beats that with his eyes closed this year. And Nerlens Noel, I don't even know if he gets drafted in most leagues. You take him in the last round and ride him, I mean, like, you don't think Mitchell Robinson's going to get into foul trouble regularly this year? You don't think Noel's going to outplay him sometimes? Nerlens can end up being a great, great late-round grab in fantasy drafts. So I love both of the centers on the Knicks roster. And so then, you know, the other questions are like, what do you do with guys like Frank Nilekina and Dennis Smith Jr.? Do we, Austin Rivers, should have mentioned Austin Rivers who got signed. Does he somehow play his way into, you know, a bunch of usage? I don't think Tom Thibodeau's going to be okay with Austin Rivers doing his shimmy shake, step back three-pointer stuff. I, I just... You know, he's going to be a bench gunner type. He'll come in, he'll take some shots, similar to Alec Burks. They have a little bit of firepower off their bench on the scoring side. Um, but neither one of those guys is, is going to be able to, to do enough to have fantasy value. They, they, I mean, their fantasy games are too limited to begin with. They need to be out there a ton, and they need to be controlling things. That's just not going to happen. So with the Knicks, um, I think you make the argument for four because Randall will probably have fantasy value again this year. I can't imagine his whole season is as bad as most of last year was before he did kind of turn it on late in the year. Two centers for the Knicks. Love it. Secret stash on that team. And then, you know, Alfred Payton's probably going to be on the board at like 115, 120. And if you need steals and assists late and can cover up for his poor percentages, then, yeah, you make that plunge. And that's your Atlantic division. See, this made more sense, right? To, to do it that way, to go through the five teams. And that might end up being our week, um, barring some you know crazy news breaking on a team we've already covered, which, you know, it's almost destined to happen. Uh, but in the meantime, we'll just, uh, we'll just float along this way. So again, folks, to recap, Atlantic division in the books. The Hoopball uh, product page, Brewski 150, dropping this week for Hoopball 360 members. Next week, for Fantasy Pass members and Brewski 150 a la carte purchasers. But people bu- You guys drive me nuts. Folks that are buying the Brewski 150 a la carte is 30 bucks. The Fantasy Pass is also $4.99 a month, locked in for six months, which is actually just less than $30. And with that one, you get the draft guide and in-season tools for six months. There's literally no reason to buy the Brewski 150 by itself when you can get it on the exact same day and all this other stuff by getting the Fantasy Pass. Fantasy Pass $4.99, Hoopball $3.60, $12.99 includes the earlier B150 and the Wager Pass. Go check those out at hoop-ball.com. Uh, also, get your MyBookie account going with promo code HOOPBALL. We're going to win anywhere from $400 to $500 this week without doing anything, without having to do any handicapping. We can win that much money. I pray you'll do it with me. It's going to be a boatload of fun. Um, again, promo code there is HOOPBALL. Manscaped promo code HOOPBALL20. 
Uh, and Hoopball Leagues are still open. almost forgot about that. If you want to join a Hoopball League, we are hosting with other listeners, readers, and Hoopball pros. They are all nine cat. We've got Roto head-to-head, free, and $50 leagues. Hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, I know like there's a lot of stuff to blend in these days, but I really hope you guys appreciate the fact that we're trying to find a whole bunch of free dollars on the table for everyone. Back tomorrow, Tuesday, we'll break down the next one. Central Division, that's what's coming up. This is Fantasy NBA Today. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.